Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well Best Bits of Tonight's show. I wish you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. Peter Bone, our favourite Conservative MP for Wellingborough. Uh, Peter, good evening to you. Good evening. You got... Uh, we haven't spoken for ages, have we? No, not for a while. I mean, I guess the national crisis has dominated and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's it's been really difficult few weeks for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, I try and put a smile on it now. I've been locked up for five weeks because I I went away a week early here, and I've been in my in my home, and uh, oh, it's okay. Except I'm getting a bit bored. Could do with a bit of company. Yeah, I've got the dogs. You got the dogs. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Peter, uh, let's talk about the um this this business of. Uh, uh, of enough uh, emergency stuff and testing kits and all the rest of it. And um, Starmer criticised the, the government for really not playing their part properly. And you had a bit of a go-to, didn't you? Well, I think uh, I think Starmer is... Uh, Keir Starmer is gonna, looks like he's going to do a good job as leader of the Labour Party, leader of the opposition. We do need a good opposition. Um, and we haven't had one for a while. So that that's a good start. And he should ask the difficult question. Um, but many of those things, the answer to those questions won't be known until after the pandemic's over. And I'm sure, mm. by the nature of things, the government will have made mistakes. But on on the whole, I think they're doing a pretty well, good job, considering the circumstances. How do you feel that this new version of PMQs with uh, a lot more than half, I think of 50 people were in the chamber, but the rest of you, I think, were you there or were you... Um... Are you, uh, on the, like, you did virtual, didn't you? Yes, of course you did. Mm. Trouble is, you've got such a big personality, you can't really tell. Uh, how, do you th- how do you think it went? Well, I think people are making a slight mistake in that's just comparing it to a normal PMQs. If everyone had been in the House of Commons, the Prime Minister's questions would not be like a normal PMQ because of the pandemic. So I think it would have mm. been a much more serious House of Commons anyway. Um problem with the way it's done virtually is it's all scripted you know everyone knows when they're going to be called there's no um nobody's spontaneously gets out and rants about something and gets called and if the, the acting prime minister said something that the house didn't agree with both sides of the chamber would moan and he would know there was none of that because it was it was more yeah. like a select committees wasn't it? you were asking yeah. particular questions but the atmosphere are completely gone which that mm. that is that is not so good I, I i have to admit i i did miss that i mean during the brexit debate you were quite uh quite forthright about your views and uh quite forthright about anybody who didn't share them weren't you and i i'm missing that i must admit well if you I mean, that, that is a good point 
if if you're in the chamber and I was asking Theresa May a difficult question on Brexit, I was only probably standing a few feet away from her. And the whole house is a small chamber packed with people. It, it does put more pressure on the prime minister. Um, and that's what, you know, that's what MPs are supposed to do. If you're not in government, if you're, if you're a backbench MP, you're supposed to scrutinise government. And it's, it's slightly more difficult to do that virtually. But that's 100% better than doing nothing. I mean, it's been so frustrating the last few weeks when you yeah. haven't been able to, to actually put the question to, to the minister. Only the media's been able to do that. Why are there people in the chamber, though? I mean, they don't need to be. I mean, they're telling other people if they don't need to be at work, don't go. Why are they not setting the example? Mm, that's a very good question. All MPs, well, at least... Well, I think all MPs have been strongly advised not to go to the chamber. Why would you want 600 MPs dashing up and down the motorways from their constituents or on the trains or whatever? And all the staff would have to be there in the house and employed. And it, 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 I was surprised. I mean, yes, maybe, yes, you probably do need to have the ministers there. You need to have the speaker. Well, quite sure why there were backbenchers. And I, I didn't quite know why Jeremy Corbyn was I mean... Mm. I think he's in the category where you're supposed to be staying at home because of his age. That yeah. isn't, and he could work from home. He could have done it virtually. Yeah. That probably wasn't the cleverest of ideas. And you're allowed to work on your allotments at the moment. I'm <laughs> rightly so. Yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so Would... that, I didn't understand why they were there now. What, were you, what are you filling your time in with? And don't just tell me, oh, yeah, lots of constituency work, uh, because you've got more than enough time to do that. So what else are you doing? Well, I, I mean, I live in a flat. And, um, um, oh, and, dear, that must be terrible. Uh, but I'm very lucky that the nearby there's a country park which you can walk to, do the exercise. Mm. That's great. But you wouldn't believe the amount of constituency stuff that's coming in. And... There are so many different aspects. I mean, we just finished doing, doing today's. And we're trying to respond to everybody on the same day that they contact us. And one of the frustrations has been that we've been sending off letters and email, well, emails to ministers asking for replies. It's been, it's been you know, some ministers are very good. Others have been rather slow and, you know, we're a virtual parliament. We're going to call these ministers out if they don't get their act together because my constituents are concerned about a particular problem that's affecting them and we want mm. that answered. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Paul and Stuart, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Thanks for having us. That's OK, guys. Who's who? Who's Paul first? Uh, I'm Paul. Okay. Uh, I'm Stuart. And where are you from, Paul? Yeah, I'm from Oxford. Uh, I think and Stuart? Stuart and I are. Yeah, both Stuart and I are from Oxford. Uh, Oxford, uh, Harlequin. They sound very similar, don't they? <laughs> do you know each other? <laughs> we do. Yeah, oh, we, we're right. both from the same rugby club. So um, Paul's one of the youth coaches, and I'm the director of rugby here. So uh, mm. it's just bizarre, really. We both signed mm. up to it and uh, both got accepted onto the, the trial. Mm. Now, what what do you have to be to be accepted onto the trial? First of all. Uh, well, it's slightly d different. Um, you have to be 18 to 55 and healthy. Then uh, there's screening. Mm. Let's you out, Ash. Last yeah. week. <laughs> That's you out yeah. as well, actually. <laughs> With uh, no underlying health conditions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because you may well get it. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the idea of the vaccine, obviously, is that, is that um, if, you, if you get it, you have antibodies that, that would be able to mm. protect you from it. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the vaccine can't cause COVID-19. Mm. It can't cause you to get the disease. So they put the dead virus. Is that what it is, sort of the dead virus in... Yeah, it's incredibly clever. I mean, essentially, the, the Jenner Institute at the University of Oxford already had a, if you like, a, a building block for a vaccine in that they've, they've developed what they call a vector, which is a, um, a deactivated or, a, or a, a chimpanzee virus that cannot replicate. And what they've done with that is they, they then attach to that, they use that as, if you like, the platform. And then yeah. they attach to that the parts of the, the virus mm. that they want to kill off. Or, you know, to 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 produce the vaccine for, right. produce the vaccine for, and so what they've done now, is essentially already already had this in place um, for previous viruses, uh, and so they've just essentially reused very clever this um, this, this, mm. this foundation to to form the basis of the COVID nineteen yeah. virus. Okay, uh, now you're going, Paul. Which am I talking to, Paul? No. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to talk to Paul for a bit more. I think first, if that's all right. Oh, I want to talk to Paul now. Um, Paul, you're going to be given the vaccine in the first round of trials starting tomorrow. Is that right? I'm at the end of the week, uh, so uh, that, yeah, so I should be somewhere along the, along the road. It's, uh, it, it, it's obviously in stages. It will last over uh, six months. Uh, so hmm. uh, we don't know, obviously, whether or not we'll be given the, the actual vaccine or whether or not we'll be given the, uh, the uh, comparison. The placebo. Yeah. A part of it, mm. yeah. So it, it's it's it is a placebo. Well, it's an active control substance. It's a um, it's used for meningitis for no. teenagers. Uh, so sure. so they will they they don't think it's going to obviously work against COVID, but they will just use mm. it as a as a control. And do you have to do anything yeah. in this six months? Is there anything you can't do or anything you? Uh, not can't do. No, over the first uh, seven days, we've got to keep a, a diary, an e diary uh, for the uh, mm. clinical team to. Uh, to look at, and then if we feel unwell uh, after that, it's three weeks. Uh, we have to keep a keep a diary, uh, and there's right. numerous visits back to the back to the, uh, the team there. Now, all right, Paul. Now, Stuart apparently is more knowledgeable about the science, but has been excluded from the first round of trials uh, due to a health condition. Stuart, are you okay? No, no, I'm fine. Yeah, it's, it's basically when we were going through the screening process, I had to disclose your full medical history. And I'd had something from 2008, which uh, which was a, a minor heart condition that was fixed at the time. But I thought, I'm going to obviously bring it up. Um, and they, they felt, well, that in phase one, we want to not take any more risks than we have to. So they, they invited me to come back into phase two of the trials. But obviously, you know, if it's a vaccine that's going to have millions and millions of, of uh, produced, you know, around the world, then it's got to work for everybody, uh, including people with, you know, potentially underlying yeah, heart sure. conditions. Um, and it's going to be six months you're on the trial? Yeah, yeah. And how long before they know whether or not it's, it, it's got some chance of working? Uh, well, my, my understanding is the most challenging part has been the immunologists at, at the Jenner Institute having to produce tests that can uh, look at the blood coming back and, and establish whether the number of antibodies being produced by the vaccine uh, will be sufficient to... To, to fight off an infection mm. of COVID-19. And that, that's, that's something that, that normally takes years to do to produce those tests. And 
it's incredible. I have to say, we take, I've got so much respect for the staff at the um, University of Oxford involved in this because we where some of them are working 16-hour days, you know, uh, mm. not seeing their families, working throughout throughout the round the clock to to make these tests that would normally take two or three years to put together. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Let's talk to uh, Dr. Lawrence Girling. Hello, Lawrence. Oh, yeah, Gurlis, yeah, with Ness at the end. Yeah, that's me. Oh, I beg your pardon, Gurlis, uh, Dr. Lawrence Gurlis. Oh right. Yeah. Um, OK, uh, so what what is this about PPE and other things I'm hearing that, you know, some companies making it over here, selling it abroad? So I've heard. Look, I think I'm, I'm not a political person, so I'll, I'll try and be as neutral as possible. Uh, this is an unprecedented situation, and it's also a worldwide situation. So, yes. There is a tremendous shortage of personal protection equipment. Um, and I'm, I'm a believer that everyone should be wearing face masks. But, of course, one of the reasons that people are dragging their feet over that is that if they come out and say everyone should wear face masks, and that's going to deprive the NHS of even mm. more of their protective equipment. Yeah. So, so don't so, say that, Lawrence. I mean, Ash doesn't look very good in one. <laughs> well, I find it frustrating that my phone can't can't do face ID when I've got a face mask on. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I'm wearing one most of the time. I, I am a great believer in them. But, you know, people can, if you're not in the health service, you can improvise, you can wear any sort of face covering, a scarf. Uh, and I, I think we should be encouraging people to do that. I'm an optimist, by the way. I believe Good. that a lot of the current cases, I know four and a half thousand days of a lot, but if you think about the number of hospitals and care homes, and staff, unfortunately, who are getting it. I don't believe there's that much coronavirus in the community. And I can judge that by my patients. A month ago, I was getting calls every day by my regular patients saying, I've got a cough, fever, a temperature of 41, and I can't get out of bed. I haven't had calls like that for a while. So I believe that the incidence of coronavirus in the general population has gone down dramatically as a result of the lockdown. And that once it goes below a certain level, a critical mass, the chances of getting a second wave must be much less. Mm. Um, so I am an optimist. I've, I've also thought a warmer weather will help, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And certainly Spain should be doing better with the temperatures mm. they have there, because normally mm. flu epidemics settle uh, when the weather gets warmer. This one, this virus is obviously a bit... It's, it's a very small difference. One degree makes, you know, 0.003% difference or something. Because you spoke to some professor about it. It doesn't make much difference. Yeah. No. So, anyway, uh, I am an optimist. I think the figure... Good, the moment, good. We, we are over and past the peak uh, uh, in most countries in the world. Um, they do say it's coming down slowly from the peak, but I think we'll see a rapid acceleration once hmm. the cohort of people who caught this three or four weeks ago uh, either get better or don't um, mm. that is my optimistic take on it uh, i may be right i've been i've been wrong in many ways with this virus i, I seriously underestimated it I'll, I'll, I'll go public and say that but i'm i also think that uh, things are turning around mm. let me just uh, go on to the ppe stuff well that's yeah. very good to know lawrence thank you for that uh, because a little positivity is all i crave from anyone uh, because it can, I mean, seriously, people will be uh, getting very psychologically damaged by this, by the way yeah. we're doing 
death death deaths recorded in hospital yeah. every day yeah. and care homes you know yeah. i'm not even sure that we as the public need to see that um but for some reason they like to put it on their tv screens yeah. so there we are i don't suppose we'll stop it now um did you ever have enough of this ppe stuff and and if not why haven't we been as we're beginning to now produce it for ourselves well, we never in the community in general practice. We never needed much PPE. We wear gloves for certain procedures. We wear masks for anything invasive if we're putting in sort of hormone implants or any sort of minor procedures. But on a on an average day, I will see patients with coughs, colds, flu, um, diarrhoea, and I won't wear a face mask and I won't wear a glove unless unless I'm taking blood. So. We we had a small amount of stock, um, and the general practice in general has not been supplied with much PPE. Most places have had to scrabble around. We've been buying it on Amazon, places like that. Uh, it's it's uh, obviously the GPs need it badly now, and that's a problem, as do the care homes, uh, and of course the hospitals where people would have to change gowns, gloves, and masks, you know, several times a day. So it's a huge consumption. Um, you know, in, in in ordinary times, it would only be operating theatre staff and maybe a few ITU staff that wear PPE. That, the problem is not just as a lot of people with coronavirus. The problem is every department in every hospital and every general practice mm. now wears PPE, whereas in the past it was it would probably be no more than 3% of your medical staff mm. would need to be doing that. And it's all over the world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... I think that's where people have mistaken that, you know, on an average accident emergency department, a doctor will be wearing scrubs, wearing shoes, um, but wouldn't normally be wearing a mask or gloves unless they were actually doing a procedure. But, of course, everything has changed, and, and, and that's where we've been caught on the hop. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. You are ruining the tone of my show by sitting there like some kind of hippie from the sixties. Well, someone's got to be it. here minding the fort. And you might get a lot of support. All with... hail the King's Lounger! Hurrah for Ash! Do you know, I find this PPE thing we're going to talk about. What, what Your phone's on. You meant to turn it off. Now that would be lovely to see you in some sweatpants rather than the jeans that are all whipped <clears> down the bottom. I you think, want to see uh, me in sweaty think... pants? That's <laughs> disgusting. Huh. That is really niche. Do you get the remuneration <laughs> for this? Yeah. A small token. Of we were told it was three grand. It's a nice no, token. I, you know, I wasn't paying attention to that part of it. Too no, much. of course not. Ash is a fashion icon. The shop he buys his stuff from, they have queues around the block, you know. I, I just yeah. thought I you know that. You pay what? extra for the rips, and even more, they've got the back room. They've got the ones with the stains on for me. A lot of you, particularly in the Lib Dems, are all a bit namby-pamby and touchy-feely and sort of wokish, aren't you? God, you do talk some nonsense to James, don't you? Like, you know you love me. Don't give me that. That was uh, the clips for today, the worst of Whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. 
Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.